Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Students Bid Podcast. And this is On the Record. I am joined by my uh, co host, as always, Kim and Professor Hathaway. This is going to be an interview podcast for today. We have a very special guest with us today, Professor Hathaway. How are you doing today? I'm great. How are you guys doing? We're doing well. Yep, we're doing very well today. Today is September 22nd. And as you all know, any opinions expressed here are not necessarily those of our sister production, The Six Mile Post. And we have an advertisement for you guys today. Uh, today's On the Record podcast is brought to you by our own GHC Student Support Services. In case you aren't already aware, they provide free academic, career, and personal counseling. So this is going to be a career podcast for Professor Hathaway. So let's get right into it with your uh, school and career. You know, tell us a little bit about your college years, anything like that, what got, got you into your undergraduate degree, journalism experience, master's degree, impactful experience, stuff like that. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. Uh, Well, I get the question a lot of how did you become a faculty advisor of student news organizations and because that's not typically something that people go to school for. So it's kind of a common question that I'm happy to answer. But I, for my undergraduate degree, I went to Barry College and I have my bachelor's there in uh, communication with a focus in journalism. And while I was at Barry, I was involved in the student uh, media organizations that they had over there. I was mostly involved in the literary magazine because when I was in high school, I was also involved in literary magazine, was the editor of my high school literary magazine and continued to do that in college where I was the editor for a few years as well. I got my degree from Barry. I went on to pursue my master's degree at Auburn And while I was at Auburn, I had a focus on mass media. So that was kind of my my area there. But it was while I was at Auburn that I also had a teaching assistantship position. So I was fortunate enough um, to be paid (laughs) while I went to Auburn and I was able to get in-state tuition while I was there as well because they gave TAs in-state tuition the first year, and then they actually made it to where uh, teaching assistants received free tuition my second year. So it ended up being a very profitable position, I guess you would say, because I was able to have a job while I was there. I found out that I really enjoyed teaching. Um, I had experienced the leadership aspect in college and in high school and leading a staff and doing kind of on-the-job training with those particular roles but then going into a college classroom and teaching undergraduates while I was at Auburn and pursuing my master's was really valuable experience. I had a lot of fun with it. I really enjoyed it and actually earned a teaching um, assistant award that particular year. So there were others who felt like I was doing a a good job with it as well. Um, So I never really knew going into college that I wanted to be a teacher but I discovered that in that teaching assistant role that I was given. And of course it was nice because it cut down on the expense of going to graduate school and gave me some income while I was there. So that's a little bit about um, kind of where I did my undergraduate and my, my master's degree. About your journalism experience. How did you get into, I know you've told me a story and several of your classes, a story about um, how you ended up working for the student newspaper, I think. Yes. So uh, when I was at Barry and going through that program, you know, they 
encouraged you and, and had courses tied to participating in the different news organizations? And honestly, I mean, as early as middle school, I was in middle school, I was on a yearbook staff and high school, I uh, took the course that was associated with the newspaper staff in college. I wrote a little bit, you know, as a part of a course for the newspaper and, and the yearbook when it was needed. In addition to working on the literary magazine, um, it was just kind of something that I always did in some way, shape or form. And so when it, it came time to look for a job after college and having discovered that, you know, I really enjoy teaching and I had advised from the student end, I had edited publications before and, and been involved in that. Um, it just so happened that a friend of mine heard about the fact that Shorter College was hiring and they were looking for somebody to teach communication courses and who could be the faculty advisor for the yearbook. And uh, at the time, they were also looking for somebody who could do yearbook and the radio, the televised radio station on campus. And so I definitely had more print experience at that point in time and um, didn't know as much about radio, but of course had taken some coursework that I had somewhat of a background in it and I'm generally a pretty quick study when it comes to things like that. So I applied and um, as <laughs> good fortune would have it, the person who was the department chair at that time was uh, Dr. Renva Watterson, who has a history here at Highlands as well. So some of our listeners probably know her. She started, served as interim president for quite a while. Um, and she was a department chair at that time and personally knew a couple of the people who were on my reference list. So, you know, she was able to just pick up the phone and call and, and ask about me, I later learned. And so I was hired on at, at Shorter, took over the yearbook um, as the faculty advisor. After just a few weeks, really, of starting in that role, we had something happen with the person who was originally hired to take over the newspaper staff. And I ended up finding myself in a conversation and saying, you know, while this person is, is out on, on leave, if you need somebody to take over the newspaper staff, I'd be happy to, to serve as a temporary advisor. And so at one point, I had three areas under me for a short amount of time, but then um, we all kind of realized that it's a better fit for me to be over print than it was over the televised radio station. And so somebody else was hired to be brought on to, to take on the televised radio station. And that person actually happens to be um, Mr. Alan Dutch, who is currently the uh, department chair here um, in humanities over communication and he's over foreign language and music and yeah, he kind of oversees several things now here at GHC but um, it's just kind of funny how we've all matriculated from being at Shorter at one point in time to to now being over here at Highlands. All right and now seeing that you are the assistant professor with journalism and communications and the head of the Six Mile Post what do you enjoy about teaching at the college level? Well what I enjoy teaching at at the college level, I think is, you know, I love my time in the classroom where I get to teach my communication courses and I love to see those, those light bulb moments and make connections with students when they read something or we're talking about something and they can, can connect it very personally to their, their lives immediately right there. But then of course, it's always even more rewarding to 
develop those relationships with students and be able to continue them after our classes together and as they go into the workforce and to help um, to help them negotiate and navigate those waters. You know, there oftentimes there's been times when students have reached out and said, I'm about to go for an interview here. Do you have any tips for me? Or would you look at my resume? Or, um, you know, this was the job offer. What do you think I should do when it comes to, you know, negotiating salary? And it's, it's very rewarding to be able to become a part of people's lives and to be that person that they can turn to. So academically, it's incredibly rewarding to see you learning, but it's also very rewarding to see people go on to uh, earn their degrees, to secure jobs. And, you know, I see them get the Christmas cards with people raising families and having kids. And um, there have even been times where my children have gone to school with the children of some of my former students. And so it's just a very special thing that I get to be a part of. Okay. And what about, what advice would you give to students on trying to pick a career path or a degree or kind of figure out where they're going? Hmm. I think that students put a lot of pressure on themselves to make sure that they're majoring in exactly the right thing. And I know there's a lot of uh, stress sometimes with, am I in the right major? Am I, I don't know exactly what I want to do when I graduate college. And uh, I always like to try to assure my academic advisees that while yes, you know, you do want to give great thought to the career field that you're going into, sometimes it's equally as important, if not more important, to think about what kind of experience you're creating for yourself while you're in college uh, outside of the courses that you're taking and the career path that you are going down. So, you know, I have a 16 year old and we're beginning these conversations about even, you know, in high school, well, you don't want to just be a high school student. You want to be involved in things in extracurriculars. You want to show that you're a well-rounded person that yes, you can make good grades, but that you can also be on an athletic team or have a leadership role or that you are, you're doing things with your life and, and you have an interest in, in giving back to the community as well. And that's ultimately the same thing that I think is good advice to give to our college students to, you know, be thinking about how you can make this experience for even more rewarding for you than just coming to school and learning in the classroom and then going home and getting that piece of paper that says you, you know, have a degree. Look for ways to get involved and to stretch yourself a little bit and challenge yourself with leadership roles on campus, whether that's SGA or the student newspaper or the podcast like you guys are doing. I think that those things are really where you're able to take your classroom educational experience and put it into practice. And um, it's more of that laboratory type of experience where you can learn in a safe environment where it's, you know, you're among other people who are learning. And yet when you leave, you'll be able to apply for jobs with confidence that ask you to already come in with two to five years of work experience, which is pretty typical today. You know, they, it's an entry level job, but they want you to have two to five years of work experience. And we have graduates going, but how can I have that? I just graduated 
you know, school. Well, if you become involved and, and you try to get that work experience at the collegiate level, then you'll be that much better off. So that would be some advice that I would give to our students. Alrighty, um, I think we're gonna move on to discuss a little bit about the Six Mile Post itself. So uh, we can start off with the origins of it. The Six Mile Post has been around since, oh, I believe it's 1972. <laughs> so uh, before I was even born, <laughs> I can still say that, but just a few years anyway. Um, so it's been around for a long time. It has a very deep history at Highlands as being a uh, award-winning student-run publication for a long time now. And my predecessor, Dr. Christy Kemper, was a part of that for most of those years, I will say. She had a, a very long tenure at Highlands. And when I came on, it was fall of 2019, so just a few years ago. And I had some very big shoes to fill in terms of that. Um, but she left a, a bit of a legacy and a program behind her that was very strong. And so that's when I came on. Okay. And what are the challenges of overseeing a student-run newspaper? Well, I think every, every program is different. Uh, you know, when I was at Shorter, it was a four-year program on one campus with students who lived in dorms on the campus. And so that was one um, experience that I had and I advised there for eight years, but then shifting to this role here at Highlands, it's unique because we are a primarily a two-year college. Of course, we have four-year degree programs, but not right now in the field of journalism. So the students who typically work for the newspaper or the podcast don't come in with any type of prior knowledge. Um, so that is wonderful in terms of the fact that anybody can come and join the, uh, the team and be a part of it. You don't have to have a focus, you know, a pathway in journalism or, or anything related to the field of communication necessarily. If you have an interest and you're a biology major, come and check us out. So, you know, that's a wonderful thing, but then it does make it more challenging on the front end for me to train and, and catch everybody up on, well, here's what you need to know. So that way we can begin to produce news, whether it's in a, a print or a, a broadcast style form. And in it, and because of the transitional nature of, of a two-year college, you know, it, it oftentimes feels like just when you guys really get self-sufficient and independent and very comfortable and confident in yourselves and in your roles, then you move on. Uh, you transfer out to another college or you, uh, you know, end up moving on in your academic careers. And so, again, it's very rewarding. Um, it's very tiring at times <laughs> because I'm constantly rebuilding a staff. Um, but I would say that's probably the main challenge. And the fact that because we're spread out, you know, we're having to be creative and use technology to our advantage uh, in terms of having people at multiple campuses who might want to fulfill some of these leadership roles. You know, how do we include them even though they're physically not on the Floyd campus where the newsroom is housed out of? How do we stream them in for staff meetings? Um, you kind of have to really redefine the process every semester, depending on who's on the team. And so it's definitely not dull, uh, but it's, it's, 
extremely challenging. Um, are there any benefits to people who might be trying to sway their pathways who are not like uh, in a journalism career, like say they're, you know, in a non-journalism major? How does it benefit them if they want to join the, the Six Mile Post? Oh, absolutely. Um, I had a student reach out to me not too long ago who said, you know, that she's realized that someday she wants to uh, become a travel journalist, but I believe the student said that they were, you know, a biology major and said, you know, someday I'd love to work for, you know, National Geographic or, you know, something along those lines. So I, I think that it just kind of depends on your goals. I mean, we can, the world needs people who can write about everything, whether that's biology or geology or history or business. And so, learning how to organize information, do research, interview people. Those are transferable skills that can be put into just about any career field these days. Um, I think that we have natural um, kind of symbiotic relationships with people in the field of business. You know, right now we have positions for business and advertising sales managers and staff. So if you want to know what it's like to run a small business and be a part of that, the Six Mile Post is essentially a small business. We have a budget, we have to, we have people on payroll, we have uh, ads that we sell that we take in money for and we have to invoice. So it's a great place to experience that on a small scale and give somebody a taste of that and give them some practical experience. We have graphic design majors who would fit right in here, you know, helping us design cover art for podcast programs and um, of course the printed newspaper or logos that we design for, you know, t-shirts or, or whatnot. So I think there's a home for anybody to get involved and to hone their skills, even though initially on the face, it might not seem like that. And so, you know, one of the questions I always ask in the interview process is what are your career goals? Because I want to know what is it that they think they want to do and how can we help them in their role on staff get practical experience that then they can say with confidence when they leave, oh, I can do that. And here's how I know. And here's an example of when I've done that before. And they actually walk out with something tangible, like a recording from a podcast or a prod, you know, a, a printed newspaper or a link that they can send somebody to all of the written work that they've done or the photos that they've taken. So you end up with quite a portfolio. Uh, and, and I think it's much more interconnected and um, helpful to students in various pathways than a lot of people realize. All right. So how did the students in podcast begin? I know that's a very recent thing. Yes. Um, the Student Spin podcast began or started as a result of a trip that I took my first staff, uh, Six Mile Post staff, on in the fall of 2019. We took a trip to the Associated Collegiate Press and College Media Advisors Conference that was in Washington, D.C., and uh, that's something else that when you are part of these staffs, we take trips and we go to conferences where you can 
learn more about the field, um, not only to help you in your current role, but also, you know, they have networking opportunities and you can speak with, you know, professional um, people who are hiring, actually. They have special sessions where you can go to and you can learn about the career paths and you can apply for jobs and things like that. But I took this team to this conference and one of my students who at the time was my photography editor, she sat in on a session about podcasting and came back very excited and said to me, I really think we should do this. It doesn't seem like it's that difficult or expensive. Uh, what do you think? <laughs> and so I said, I I'm not nearly as well versed in that as print, but I think I agree with you based on, you know, the direction that podcasts seem to be going these days. I think it's very important for our graduates to be cross-trained in a variety of different ways to be able to write, to be able to speak, to be able to edit, to be able to produce, uh, we call it media convergence. So I said, I love the idea of, of being able to explore something like that. Let me see what I can do with just a few hundred dollars because of course, you know, we have a budget. So I, I went, I researched, I bought the equipment, uh, a modest soundboard to just get us started and a few mics and, and headphones. And unfortunately, by the time the equipment arrived, the student transferred schools <laughs> and I lost her and she was wonderful. Um, and the rest of the staff members were on board and super excited, but already kind of overloaded with their workload. So I turned to two students who I had in a class. Um, Kimberly, I believe you were in that same class. I was. And uh, they were, it was Scout and Carson. And as you may recall, they were just two outgoing voices in class that when I brought things up for discussion, they weren't shy about talking and they always were well-spoken and, you know, had a good rapport with each other. They kind of had some good um, kind of chemistry in terms of weren't afraid to challenge each other in class. And I thought, boy, they would make great, you know, podcast hosts. So I approached them and they loved the idea. We're very quickly on board and we just kind of sat down and had some planning discussions and got it started. And, uh, and then of course, when they were moving on, um, I did the same thing. I thought, well, who else have I had in my courses that I thought would be great to have on air. And I turned to the two of you. <laughs> so uh, that's what happens when you speak out in one of my classes, you get tapped to, <laughs> to, to be on staff. <laughs> I guess that's one way it has evolved throughout the lifespan of the Students Bid podcast. But um, in what ways is it evolving now as we're going into the future? Well, you all are taking it in a wonderful direction. And you know, the thing about being a faculty advisor is that I'm here to coach and I'm here to support and I'm here to try to do a lot of the behind the scenes, you know, work when it comes to creating an area or a space or finding equipment or the money to, you know, create what to, to build and, and give you what the tools that you need to be able to, to do what you want to do. But really it starts with the students who are involved and you all, I think are taking it in a wonderful direction. I know that um, when we first, when Scout and Carson first started their podcast shows, they were what we would classify as a commuter length, meaning that they were started off probably close to 45, 30 to 45 minutes long. 
And then uh, when you all came on in the second year, we talked about maybe trying to scale that back a little bit, have them not be quite so long because, you know, you're only going to get certain audiences that will stay with you for that length of time. Uh, a lot of the competitions that we would like to enter really want podcasts to be a little bit shorter, somewhere between, you know, five and 12 minutes long for the most part. And I think that's a good length for the type of listener that we probably have. Um, and of course, we're trying to do more analytics on who's listening and when they're listening and what they're listening to as we grow. But your ideas about trying to create shorter podcasts that are more specifically focused toward a different listening audience, like Austin, you have the you know post buzzer program that you're starting. And then you know, Cal has his that I just listened to last night about civil discourse and the campus corner, Kim, that you did. So I think trying to have one that's geared around campus highlights, one around sports, one around entertainment, and one around, you know, news and politics is a great way to kind of segment out what was being done in one episode and cut it into and make shorter episodes for uh, the listening audience. So I think it's a, it's a great service to the listeners. And I think that it's going to draw more of an interest because then people can listen to their favorite. How do you think being a part of the student spin can benefit students that might be interested in it? Um, and do you have to be a writing or journalism major to be honest? One thing that I've seen from the students who are involved in the student spin is that the one thing that grows, I think, above almost anything else is confidence and maturity. That might be sound kind of odd for me to say, but every student who I've had an opportunity to work with and to witness become a part of the podcast program just seems um, to have grown so much personally. And that's incredibly rewarding, I think, for each of them individually, but then I think it's I know it's rewarding for me to see. So I would say, regardless of how hesitant you might be, you know, I have people who have said, oh, I think that's awesome. And I'd love to be a part of that, but I could never speak on, on, you know, the recording or, or be the, the host. Well, that's okay. You don't have to start off that way. You could help us create the outlines or you could do a little bit of research on a topic, or you could be the person who sits in the editing studio after the, you know, recording is done and, and help edit it and put it up. But I think what happens is that when somebody starts off and they think that they don't want to be in front of the mic, they see how much fun it is, or maybe somebody invites them on as a co-host and they realized it's really not that intimidating and it's not much different than just talking to people. Um, there's more preparation that go into it. Sure, it's a little bit more structured, but I think that you can come in as having a supportive role in the background and then grow with the job, if that's something that you would like to do. And I think when students challenge themselves to do something a little different that maybe they're not quite comfortable with, that's where the true growth happens. And that's where the confidence is built and the maturity increases. And so that's why I say, I think, I think maturity and self-confidence are huge. Well, thank you so much, Professor Hadaway. We are so glad we were able to interview you today. Um, you have given us a lot of insight and I think our listeners are really gonna, gonna take a lot away from this episode. Thanks so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. I'm always here. All right, we will see you in two weeks.